to another insightful episode of Grandma Says. And here's Grandma. Okay, if you want a super happy home and great kids, I'm going to tell you the most important thing that every parent needs to know and the most important thing that every parent should do. Welcome again to Grandma Says. Uh, Okay, so there are three things that you need to do as a parent to make sure that you have a happy home, obedient kids, and pretty much a very laid back, enjoyable life. Number one is you need to maintain a schedule. Schedules will make all the difference. In fact, it is a schedule that determines whether or not your children are going to throw tantrums. Schedules determine whether or not your children are healthier. Schedules determine whether or not your children are going to um, follow your basic instructions. Second, you have to set boundaries. Boundaries are important at every age. You know, uh, there's a school of thought that says, oh, just let the child go and explore. And yeah, and they explore their way and fall down the stairs. Boundaries are important. Um to, uh, you know, make sure that they're not only are they safe, um, but also to establish the hierarchy that you're going to need to start from birth and continue as they grow up again to make your life easier. And finally, you have to give your kids a strong and firm foundation. The earlier that you do the three things I just mentioned, the more success you will have in creating a great and happy atmosphere, whether you're at home or away from home. Okay. So ah, to start, let's talk about schedules. Now, when I say schedule, I'm not saying that you have to walk around with a stopwatch. What you do to set a schedule is you look at your own time first. I know some people, oh my God, that's so selfish. Uh, No, (laughs) you want to look at what do you do during the day? Uh, When do you work? When do you eat? When do you sleep? Whatever it is that you do, you then take the child's schedule and have it line up with yours. So, for instance, um, if you have small kids and you are, I don't know, a YouTuber, so you are online making videos, that's not the time that you want your kid running into your office or screaming at the top of their lungs or throwing toys at your computer if you want them to either take a nap or, or go play, <laughs> they should be doing something else while you're working. Um, eating, for instance, if you want your kids to eat when you eat, then you have to line their schedule up with yours. Now, when they're young, you can pretty much set their schedule to match yours based on your schedule versus the schedule that everybody else would say that, you know, Like, um, there's a school of thought that would say things like, well, kids have to eat three times a day and they should eat exactly at noon. Mm, Yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, (laughs) The reality is you eat when you need to eat. Um, So if you have your kids sleep during the day and keep them up at night and they eat at 2 a.m. when you eat at 2 a.m., that's a schedule. It might not be conventional for other people, but if that's what works for you, then that's what you need to do. So scheduling makes it so that your kids understand what time it is, what the expectations are, and it helps them to prepare themselves mentally and physically for whatever activity you've put on the table. 
Now, how do you get your kids to do what you want them to do when you want them to do it? When they're newborns, you just make them do it. I mean, I know that that's uh, <laughs> what <laughs> newborns don't have a choice in the matter. When it's time to eat, you feed them. Yay. Schedule's done. <laughs> when children get older, however, you want to use signifiers. So like for toddlers, taking out a bib and putting the bib on should indicate it's time to eat. Uh, different songs will tell them it's time to sleep. It's time to clean up. It's time to do what we need to do. So you're going to use environmental signals for older children. You also want to reward good behavior so that they will become accustomed to, oh, if I eat my carrots at lunch, then I'm going to get, you know, a cookie for dessert. If I throw my carrots on the floor, I'm not going to get cookies for dessert. So as you start to work with them on this, they will get used to or accustomed to the schedule. And it, you know, at the end of the day, it becomes way easier because when it's time to eat, you don't have tantrums. Instead, you have kids looking forward to, oh, I might get a cookie, that kind of thing. Uh, schedules are established by creating routines. Now, routines are things that you do around the same time over and over again every day. Now, sometimes a routine can change, but it should be really, really rare if your children are not school aged or older. Routines are the way to avoid tantrums. As in, I know we've all seen kids who, um, you know, they're in a store and they fall out and they're rolling around screaming and yelling. Most of the time it's because they don't have a routine. If they're in the store and it's late at night, they should probably be in bed. Or if they're screaming and it's noon, they should probably be taking a nap. Um, if it's close to two o'clock and they're, you know, throwing a fit, it's probably time to eat. The point is that if you have a routine and you enforce this routine, then you're giving signals that you're in control and that by being in control, your child is safe. Your children, when they feel safe and secure, will seldom misbehave in public because they understand that good behavior equals good rewards and happy mommy means happy kids. Um, some signs that you are not maintaining a routine that works for the kid is if you have kids that don't feel safe, kids that are skittish or clingy or afraid, they usually don't have much of a routine. And so everything is scary to them. As in, you run water, they don't understand that that means bath time. And so they don't have that foundation. So they're freaking out instead of saying, oh, look, mommy's running bath water and there's soap in the bath and I can see the bubbles. Yay, that means I get to play in the water. If their reaction is more or less, oh, my God, what is that stuff going in that big container over there? Um, they haven't been properly introduced to things. Uh, this gets back to establishing your foundation. OK, so we just talked about how you create a schedule, how you make the routines work within that schedule. Now you want to make sure you have a foundation. Your children should grow to trust you that when you wipe their face and hands, it's not going to hurt that when it's time for them to get in the water, you're going to support them. So to do this, part of this has to do with knowing when to play and not to play with your children. When you're introducing them to bath time, for instance, that's not the time to crack jokes about baptismals and dumping your kid underwater and, you know, playing with them. 
in the early stages, they need to understand that there's a time to play and not play. So if you're a playful adult and there are lots of them, <laughs> please understand that when you're setting the foundation, you can't play with them when you're trying to teach them what that foundation is or you're going to create a lack of trust. So here's what I mean by that. Going back to bath time. If you're holding your child in the tub and they understand that this is soap and this is water and it's not going to hurt you, I'm holding you so you don't have to worry about drowning or, or getting hurt in any way, shape or form, then they're going to trust, oh, bath time is safe and mommy or daddy or whoever's here to keep me safe while I'm in the tub. If bath time becomes a, I'm going to take this container and dump it over your head and you're only three years old or one years old and you don't know the difference between uh, the water that's coming out of that container and the water that just came out of the faucet, then there's a lack of trust. And so you put the kid in the water and they start grabbing at your arms and trying to get out of the tub because you scared the crap out of them. They have no idea what you're doing. And so they don't have that trust. So you want to establish the trust first and then slowly introduce playing as they get old enough to understand the difference between a joke and, you know, and what's serious and what's not. Um, and not all kids are going to develop at the same time. There are kids who you could hold them upside down by their feet and they're going to think it's funny no matter what you're doing. And there's other kids where, you know, even if you hold them with one arm, they're freaking out instead of you using both arms. So you have to be able to gauge the difference and at what stage they're developing, um, you know, so that they they have the proper foundation. Okay. Um, here's some ways to tell if you have developed proper trust with small infants, if they fall asleep relatively quickly when you're giving them indicators that it's time to sleep, then they trust you. They feel safe and they're going to sleep. If they're pushing at you or trying to hit you or kick you or get away from you, there's a good chance that you have not established proper trust. They don't feel safe with you and they're trying to get away from you. Now, as I said, that doesn't mean necessarily that it's a bad thing. It does mean, however, that you need to reestablish that connection when they're small so that they will start to understand, oh, that blanket is so that it's, you know, my face is not going to sweat on her arm. Not that she's going to put that blanket over my face and I'm not going to be able to see or, or breathe or something like that. Because, you know, we all have um, survival instincts. So even from birth, you know, you're going to react to something based on how you feel it's going to affect you. And not all of us have realistic survival instincts. I mean, let's be real. There are some of us who are afraid of things that other people tease us about. That comes from, in most cases, either experience or from a skewed survival instinct. You know, I... Yeah, I know. When I was a kid, uh, we used to have like wild plants that lived all over the place because they lived over in, uh, on another continent that had lots of weird plants. Um, now the locals knew what it was. I didn't mean we knew what it was. Uh, so there were plants like, you know, uh, one of my favorites were the honeysuckle. When I first moved into the neighborhood, the kids would convince the new kids that if you ate these, you'd get high or you'd get drunk, you'd get sick. Um, well, lucky for us, we weren't that gullible. So, you know, we actually looked it up. Yeah, back then you had to go to the library. But long story short, we found out honeysuckles are edible, not the whole plant, just the, the honey part in the middle. Um, 
but to scare the other kids who are trying to scare us. You know, we put the honeysuckle on the tongue and then act like we really did have a reaction and passed out. Now, under any normal circumstance, it would be funny to us. But if you can imagine somebody who maybe saw somebody in their life at some point overdose or die of something, then if they see you do that, their reaction is maybe over the top, whereas everybody else may just start laughing. And that's what I mean by our, our instinctive response to things will vary based on whatever your experience would be. Um, so just because, for instance, you may not never have put a blanket over your child's head to help them sleep, maybe the nanny or the nurse did. Um, they may have been doing it to keep light out of the baby's face so the child would sleep. But the child doesn't know that. So they may have thought they were being smothered or something was over them. And now they're freaking out when you put something over their face. So long story short, you want to make sure that your child reaches a point where they can trust you, regardless of how they feel about other people. You have to set the proper foundation. So be careful with playing and goofing off with newborns. Get them to trust you first. And then you can start introducing goofiness and jokes and, and so forth as they get older, especially when they're able to start laughing with you and not freaking out when they see you. Um, a sign that your toddler has been uh, trained properly and that they trust you. If you call your child and they throw a tantrum or they run away from you, then there's a sign that you've either lost control, there's no trust or your communication is off. Um, so you'll need to retrain them. Now, uh, so going back to the basics here, um, some things that you can do when you're talking about setting schedules, creating that foundation and creating and depending upon the necessary boundaries. First is to understand that doing these things, it's not you being mean. OK, these are things that are necessary when dealing with small children. So not giving the child a second cookie, it doesn't mean that you're being mean. It means that you need to establish or you are establishing a hierarchy so they understand they get that second cookie. They need to do something in order to get the second cookie. It's not automatic. No, you can't just reach over in the bag and get it yourself just because you're big enough now. You have to learn to communicate with your parent because they're in charge, even if you can see the bag and it's on the table and you can open it yourself. Um, as they grow, their privilege should increase, just like we do as adults, as in when you're on a job. Um, for most people, you are given a promotion as you show progress on your job. It's the same thing for children. It's not a matter of what you can do. It's what you are allowed to do when you're at home as a child. Um, so if they're exhibiting proper behavior, they get more privileges. If they are showing improper behavior, then you want to change whatever you're doing until you're getting the desired or expected outcome, usually through communication. Communication is a huge deal with kids and adults. You want to learn your kids language while you're teaching them yours. Most children, when they are small, they don't have any clue what you're saying. They don't understand this word means that. The only thing they understand is your tone. So there's a big difference. For instance, if you're telling, uh, you know, little Scotty, if you say, come here, Scotty, he knows that that's different from you saying, Scotty, get over here now. There's a difference. It's your tone. 
Scotty might not even know his name is Scotty. (laughs) But he does understand that those two tones are two different messages, even though you're telling him to do the same thing, which is to come here. Um, Most kids will learn their names pretty early. So name recognition is also a big thing. But you want to use their names if you want them to learn their names. You can't use pet names and then expect them to know their real name. So these are things when it comes to wanting to communicate and setting that that foundation. So, yeah, as much as we want to call our adorable little princess, you know, little princess, let's start with calling her Samantha until she recognizes, oh, my name is Samantha. Okay, got it. Then you can start using pet names and then they'll know the difference. Okay, so here's some quick tips on how to do some basic things when it comes to schedules foundation, and boundaries. With newborns, you want to create routines, as in you can use the same exact song to indicate it's time to go to sleep. You can use a uh, soft music like a lullaby so that everything is uniform. You may use certain blankets that have certain smells, like if it's a burping cloth and a sleeping cloth, those should be two different blankets. The sleeping cloth should smell like something you're going to sleep on, like detergent or cotton or something pleasant. The burping cloth is probably going to smell more like food or milk so that they know the difference. If they're sitting next to the burping cloth, they realize, hey, either I'm getting ready to eat or I'm getting ready to burp. Um, There's something to do with food. Whereas the sleeping cloth would tell them it's and it may just be a small piece that you put under their face. It's not like you have to cover them in it. Um, it's just using smell to help them to understand and differentiate between it's time for this and now it's time for that. Um, with toddlers, the, the big thing with them is to keep them busy at all costs and at all times. <laughs> um, I'll do a whole separate podcast with toddlers because that's a, a pretty big deal. But what you want to do with toddlers realistically, um, You have to be careful when you start setting a foundation and boundaries with toddlers, because whatever you start with is where you're going to have to continue in order for them to um, follow your lead properly. Toddlers are probably the most dangerous stage of childhood because they're just big enough to get into things, but they're too small to control what they're getting into. Um, And you can't necessarily run around behind them all day long. That's not realistic. So with toddlers, to get them to do something, I'm going to give you a quick overview because like I said, for them, it's going to take a whole podcast, probably several to cover toddler years. Um, But the main thing is you want to use um, music and you want to use signals, just like I mentioned with babies. The difference is that with toddlers, you want to increase the difficulty level that way you keeping them busy, like instead of just saying, put the toys in the box, because they can do that with ease. You may start telling them, OK, take all the Legos apart and put them in the box. Now that's going to take an extra 20 minutes, <laughs> but it kept them busy. Um, rewards with toddlers are important and increasing the difficulty as in instead of just giving them, um, you know, little goldfish crackers with their sandwich at lunch, give them something they have to dip or open, like, you know, those dippy cheese sticks or, um, you know, something that requires a a few more steps before they put it in their mouth. 
Um, and this will kind of stretch out lunchtime, which gives you a few extra minutes. And again, we'll get into that in detail later. Um, okay, so yeah, there's a lot to cover with toddlers. And understand, you don't really have to go through terrible twos. If you are setting the proper foundation, if you set proper boundaries, your two-year-old can actually be a lot of fun. In fact, toddlers are fun, but you have to set the uh, environment up for it to be a fun experience. And toddlers are easy to entertain. You can give them a, a box and a and a you know a little bit of Reynolds wrap, and they're <laughs> happy for hours. Just make sure they don't eat it. Um, and the last group that we'll go over just a tiny bit are pre-K. Again, a whole different podcast because there's a lot to cover. Pre-K, that's when they start to develop their own personalities. And most of what they're doing is testing the water. So that's why it's important, like I said earlier, to establish boundaries, who's in charge, setting the schedule, setting a routine, making sure that they know that routine, making sure that they understand that when you say to do something, um, that's what goes. It's, it's not a, we're going to have a negotiation. No, because by the time they reach pre-K, this is where they're going to develop not only their personalities to go with their behavior. They're also going to know how far they can go to push you into doing things. So something simple, like back when they were infants, if every time they screamed, you pick them up. Now that they're pre-K, they know every time you scream that they scream, they're going to get something they want because that's what they were trained to respond to. So you have to make sure that doesn't happen. Um, now, understand that even though I'm talking about pre-K, we know adults who do this. Um, and the reason we know that is because this is the early years where you're going to show and exhibit those same signs. But when we see adults and we're thinking, what is wrong with them? A lot of it comes from how they were trained and taught when they were in that pre-K stage. So that's why I'm saying it's one of the most important parts of raising your kid. Um, whatever they learn during that pre-K stage with you is how they're going to manifest when they get older. It's the same behavior. It's just slightly different. But if you compare the two, it's you'll see the similarities. Um, my favorite example is that almost everybody has met at least one or two Susie suck-ups on their job. <laughs> and these are the people who, no matter what they do, they need everyone to know about it. And, you know, they're always, you know, brown-nosing in order to get the boss's attention. Look at the behavior of a toddler. It's the exact same. It, the only difference is it's the same kid. It's just now in a bigger body. Um, if that behavior is rewarded by the boss, they're going to get more of it. If that behavior is rewarded by the parent, you're going to get more of it. So let's get down to um, how do you make it so that your life is comfortable with the people that are in it, whether you're talking about small children or even right up to your spouse. Here are, are three things that you need to always keep in mind, practice and do. That goes with what I said at the beginning, the boundaries, the scheduling and, um, you know, basically making sure that you cover those three important parts. But here's the way to do it. Number one, ignore whatever it is that you can ignore that you don't want more of. Whatever you give attention to is what you're going to get more of. So reward what you want more of. You want your child to finish eating their food, then 
you want to reward them every time they finish eating their food until they reach a point where that becomes their habit and you don't have to do it anymore. But on occasion, still mention it because you still want that as the behavior. Same with your spouse or any adults you're working with. You reward what you want more of. So if you have a coworker and they actually did their job, yay, <laughs> then mention it. You know, I don't mean go overboard, but it can be something like, you know, well, you know, the files look great. I'm, I was so just beside myself trying to figure out how I was going to fix those files. And I'm so glad you did that. Thanks. That's a simple reward. But guess what? You're going to get more of what you just rewarded. When I say ignore what you can ignore, if somebody's doing something at any age and you can ignore it, then do that. If it's something you don't want more of. Um, most of the time, behavior is designed to get your attention. So if you take away that attention, you don't have to deal with it anymore. Discipline should only be used when they reach a point that they're doing something that is borderline dangerous or can become dangerous. There's no need to discipline every single time a child does something. If they drop a toy, they drop the toy. Show them how to pick it up not wail and scream and slap their hands and how could you, you little so-and-so. That's, that's not going to get you anywhere. So you want to only discipline if it's dangerous. If they run out into the street, that's dangerous. That requires discipline. Um, you know, but if they, uh, you know, if they didn't tie their shoe all the way, you want to discuss it, make sure they understand the importance, blah, 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 because although it's dangerous, it's not going to kill them. <laughs> well, under most circumstances, it won't. Um, and whatever rules you set, try not to deviate when possible. Um, if you have decided that you're the one buying the food and they're going to eat the food, then you do not want to deviate by saying, OK, this week, everyone gets to choose their own food. <laughs> not a good idea ever. It doesn't mean they don't get to choose their snack, but they should not be planning your meal plan at, you know, three years old. Um, so this podcast ran a little bit long because it's actually a bigger topic than I realized. So what I will do is break these topics down into smaller bite-sized pieces because it is the most important thing that you need to know um, if you want to have that happy lifestyle. So again, scheduling, setting boundaries and setting proper foundation. Do it early, do it right. And you should have no problems with every stage that your kids go through. And even learning how to, you know, better communicate and control your spouse. And don't tell your spouse to said control because, you know, they may get upset. Okay. And that was a lot. <laughs> so we'll cover more in another podcast. And as for this podcast, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> See you in the next podcast.